Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Life Wealth Podcast. My name is Jason Harwood, CEO of Life Wealth, and joining me today is Life Wealth's head of the investment committee, James Vandaloo. Hi, Jason. How welcome, are you, James. Very well, thanks. Uh, that's very, very good. Um, our first uh, podcast recording for 2021. Yes, it has. It's taken us uh, a little bit longer than probably we would have liked to get rolling, but here we are ready to rock and roll again. There's been a bit happening and we might jump in straight away. I mean, uh, for many of our sort of long-term clients and long-term listeners, the importance of this time of year is it's one of the two times during the year that you, uh, along with the other advisors, attend the Portfolio Construction Conference. Um, Again, that was remote this year and that was last week. Um, that's important because that's where we get sort of the long-term and, and the current and emerging themes in markets uh, domestically and, and around the world, and then informs our considerations with regards to the investment committee. So that was last week? It was, and, and that was late. It's, it's typically in the, in the first or second week of February, but the little COVID scare uh, down here in Melbourne a few weeks back sort of pushed that back by a few weeks which has then delayed us doing our first IC meeting for the year, which we'd roll off the back of that conference and then start rolling into portfolio reviews for the year. Yeah, makes perfect sense. So so let's, as I said, let's jump straight in. I mean, the, the nature of the portfolio construction conference is there's a lot that comes out of that. There's a number of speakers. Um, they all have their views and you'd like to think that they all align, but they don't always align. So it's about us critically thinking what that means for, for portfolios and where we go. Um, a number of things we want to touch on today. Probably, probably um, there's three that sort of come to mind straight away. Uh, bond markets and what's happening there. Um, the outlooks for inflation, because certainly the, the mood or the, the tone of uh, discussion over the last two or three weeks has started to change, I think. That's changed, and, and those two really are linked. Without a doubt. And, and geopolitics, obviously. I mean, that's my personal favourite, as you know, but there's been so much change, as there always is there, and that, that is also impacted as well. So, so thinking about that, where do we start? Do we start in the States? Yeah, well, it, 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 as we know, it is the centre of the financial universe. So um, it, it's the big wheel that, that really sets the agenda that everybody else gets on the back of. And I will say the key takeouts I took away were quite bullish on the US yep. for the next probably two years, mm-hmm. um, which, is, which is very different. Obviously, COVID is, is still a thing there, but the vaccine rollout is well underway. They believe that they'll get on top of it over the next few months, mm. which means we're going to see a serious reopening of the, of the US economy in the second half of 2021. Mm. And uh, the growth numbers that they're talking about were big, really big. And um, when I mean big, I mean 6% real growth yeah, in right. the back half of 2021, 2022, yeah. fastest growth since World War II. They're, they're incredible numbers, aren't they? They are, and and the the catalyst for such big numbers are, one, just like in Australia, um, unfortunately, the job losses were at the bottom end Mm -hmm. um, in terms of uh, people's income. So the wealthy have still been earning, they've been saving, and they're locked up, and they're ready to spend, Mm. and they are going to. And it's about a trillion dollars worth of catch-up spending. In the world's greatest consumer culture in history. Exactly right. So that's coming um, on the back of huge stimulus, and we saw that bill get passed this week. So there's uh, another over a trillion dollars heading into the US economy in uh, the next 12 months. And uh, as we know, at least at the short end of the curve, 
uh, the Fed is not going to be raising rates. So we've got uh, monetary policy extremely accommodative as well. Mm. Um, add those three things up, Wooshka, um, she's going to grow. It's actually amazing how quickly things can change. Yeah, and and if you think about commentators over much of the Trump presidency, including us, um, you know the general feeling was market keeps going up. Part of the reason the market's going up is because you know the the, the lack of oversight or the freeing up of conditions for businesses by the Trump administration and Trump himself. Um, you know, making sure he gets re-elected and all those sorts of things. We were so bullish around that, as was most commentators. Um, it's amazing. We then had COVID come in and all the impacts of that. We now find ourselves with a new administration in the States and there's still this air of positivity, you know, and I think that's, that's as much about the States as it is about anything else. Um, the other thing I'd add there as well, you talked about they think they're going to get on top of it. Um, we were talking before we came on the podcast. Uh, I have no opinion about certainly hear about Republican versus Democrat, but what we can actually say, the change to the Biden administration has been, they are rolling the vaccines out and they are rolling them out really, really quickly. Um, I haven't seen today's numbers, but it was over 2 million vaccinations yesterday. They have really got this rolling along and they're, they're knocking through the, the, the population in the US really quickly. Yeah, absolutely. So remember when I go to a conference, I speak to finance people, I don't speak to, I don't speak to doctors. Um, but generally, they're pretty well-advised finance people um, with big resources and, and expensive consultants. And um, they're thinking two, three months and they'll mm. be, at, be at herd immunity in the US and but then they're I, away. I think it's going to be May. The way not, what they've predicted, uh, I think from originally was June, um, but the commentary over the last two or three weeks, has, three weeks has been, it's actually looking it's likely to be May. And it's not some, oh, we, we hope it'll be May, the numbers that they're doing daily and the increases daily suggest it's going to be May. So that that's going to have an impact on the psyche of Americans as well. Well, it has, and it, and it, and that's the change you've seen in financial markets in the last few weeks. Mm. It's actually having an impact on the psyche of financial markets um, through what inflation expectations yeah. and what's happening in the bond market. Mm -hmm. So even though we're quite bullish on the economy, yep. this is causing some shockwaves in financial markets. Mm. Now, we've been in almost a deflationary environment since the global financial crisis, mm -hmm. and everyone will be familiar here, rates just got lower and lower and lower, and we had no inflation whatsoever. So people came to the view that money will be cheap forever and rates can do nothing but go down. Mm -hmm. We have had a couple of episodes, one in 2016 and 2018 where bond yields picked up, yep. the market had a bit of a tantrum, and yep. the Fed panicked and and kept cutting again. Um, so that's an interesting dynamic because what the market is saying now is a few years out, um, rates are gonna be higher. Mm. And if that growth projection comes to pass, you'd expect that to be the case. Like mm. the, the Fed will let the economy run hot and let labor catch up, right? Yep. Um, so short-term rates won't be raised over the next couple of years, but the bond market, which prices money at 10 year and 30 year money mm -hmm. is saying, hey guys, we're not gonna lend you money at 1% anymore for 10 years or 2% for 30, because inflation's gonna chew that away. Yeah, sure. We need to get paid more. Mm -hmm. um, so we're gonna to have to get to grips that cost of capital is gonna go up a little bit, mm -hmm. not, 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 not a heap, but 
what happens with these tantrums is it moves fast. Mm. So Australian government borrowing costs jumped 70% last week. Now it's from a super low rate yep. at one, so one to 1.7 is 70%. Mm. Um, that causes shockwaves. Now, um, straight away, the, um, the RBA has come out and talked about a, a variation of their QE program and, mm. and trying to control that yield curve and, and, and manage that. Yep. And I think we're going to see more of that as that market causes a, a tantrum. Um, so I don't think borrowing costs are going to get out of control in the next few years. But from getting nothing but cheaper and cheaper, the regime has changed and things are going to start creeping up a little bit. It'll just be the rate of change that shocks the market from um, yeah, time. If it moves too fast too soon, yeah. you're going to see them come in again and try and clamp clamp on it down. So. Will borrowing costs remain relatively low? I believe so. Mm. Will we have to pay a little bit more? Um, yes, and I, I don't believe that's such a bad thing, mm. um, but you're seeing the market start to price that. So growth stocks, and we saw the, you know, the 2020 dominated by the tech stocks. Mm. Right now, they're being sold off, um, and that is being used to um, switch into those more cyclical businesses that probably got beat up a lot more during COVID. Yeah. Um, you know, energy, um, construction, all those businesses that earnings got hit yeah. will probably really um, have a nice catch up mm. into this next 18 months. And those leaders from the tech have been sold off. Now, I don't necessarily think it's the end of the, the tech story, I don't, but in the short term, you're seeing capital move to chase the, yeah, chase the cyclical sense. story. Yeah. So there's a bit of a rebound. Would you expect an impact on financial stocks? I think it'll be positive in the in the short term, right? So, um, remember, last year the consensus was the banks are going to lose heaps of money on bad loans and, and and bad debts, and they and they will lose a little bit in the business borrowing. But um, I don't know if anyone else has checked their residential property prices in their suburb, but they're up. Yeah. They're up, and they're up big. Yeah. So, um, rates are up. Everything's up. E even even if you can't make your repayments, you're selling. You're not defaulting. Yeah. Um, so what we're going to see is um, those losses or write-offs that happened last year will be reversed. Mm -hmm. So they'll get a bit of a boost in earnings. And if that yield curve does steepen a little bit, um, the banks can charge a little bit more on their primary business, which is lending money. Exactly right. So short term, I think the banks uh, are going to have a, a good little run over the next 12, 18 months in this environment. Mm -hmm. And that's an example of a sector where money is coming out of last year's winners, uh, tech and healthcare, and it's going into those that, that copped, a, copped a pretty big beating. And you know, in the last couple of months, and, and we've got plenty of clients here that hold the big banks, um, they've had a nice little rally and, mm. and some of the tech stuff's come off. Yeah, and, um, and look, you know, talking about inflation, I mean, for so long it felt like inflation was a dirty word. I mean, it's, by definition, it's not a dirty word, is it? It's a sign that things are actually going well. Yeah, you, you don't want you don't want too much, um, but you don't want too too little either. This is absolutely about the sweet spot. We've got used to, to none, mm. so hopefully we can get get the balance right where um, cost of capital doesn't rise too much and 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 break things. But a little bit of inflation is is not a bad thing at all in yeah. in, in my opinion. But it does have implications on how we build portfolios. Mm -hmm. So um, we've had lots of bonds in portfolios for a long period of time, some of it from an index level. Yes. And the returns have been really solid. Even though the income 
component got smaller and smaller. Capital gains. They were making capital gains as rates kept falling. So people would pay a premium for those old bonds that had higher coupons. Mm -hmm. Higher fixed rate effectively. Correct. Now, if that is reversing, um, people don't want the old bond from last year that was issued at 1% if they can buy a new one at 2. Yes. Um, So you're going to lose money on that paper. Um, That is a dilemma for portfolio construction because... That's where safe money went. We, we all know we can't earn any money on our cash at the moment. Um, fixed income gave us a little bit better, um, but now we're in an environment where we're actually taking capital risk to get that little bit better in fixed income. It's one of the things you have, we, you, we have a challenge around the portfolio construction, as you said, because you know, in inverted commas, bonds are the defensive stock. Yeah, they're, they're the defensive holding along with cash, but if you know that capital values are going to go down, it's not a defensive hold anymore. Well, that, that's exactly right. So long duration bonds right now, we know the coupon is small. So if they do exactly what they went, uh, what they're meant to do, you don't really get much return. But if we do get this pickup of inflation and bond yields pick up, you're gonna lose money. So my defense, or not my defense, but traditional portfolio's defense doesn't look so defensive at the moment. Um, so there's a question mark on well, what are we got to do to keep money safe? Because um, clients will get cranky if you keep too much in cash because it earns zero. Quite people don't like Quite people don't like paying you to not earn them anything. Mm-hmm. Um, the traditional next layer of defence looks a little bit more risky, particularly in the government section. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got to be a bit more clever. Um, if we're having a strong economic environment like we described. Um, Corporate credit would look more attractive because you're not going to have defaults in, yes. in corporates in, in a strong economy. Yep. Um, same same you, as you said before with regard to households. Interest rates are low. Correct. Yep. You get paid a little bit more because they're deemed a bit, bit riskier than governments. And there are some corporate notes where they're floating. Some of the Australian investors will be familiar with hybrids. So they're, they're priced at a margin over bank bill. Mm-hmm. So if rates rise, they're insulated. You're not going to get capital, capital loss. Yep. So we're going to have to be a little bit more clever with the defence um, or have more money in the growth assets, which um, will probably work, but you, you, you get more volatility and, and more seesaw exactly. if you go on that journey. Yeah. So, um, so as always, there are, there are challenges, but um, by and large, I think it's a pretty optimistic outlook, at least in the medium term. And I mean, look, you know, I think again, clients that have been with, with us for for the long term, and, and certainly those that we've met over the last couple of years. I mean, we make really clear. I know it's something you talk about often. We're pretty boring. Our, our job is to minimise risk as much as we possibly can, whilst taking advantage of any upside we see coming. So, whilst we're looking positively over the next couple of years with these emerging themes, um, you know, we're not going to throw the proverbial baby out with the bathwater, are we? No, absolutely not. At the end of the day that core of the portfolio, we want to achieve the objective, which is a little bit different for, for every client. Um, of course, we've got some that do want us to have a bit more of a more of a swing and we, we build that more bespoke. But by and large, I think um, equities and property will have a reasonable couple of years here. Yes. Yep. Um, we've got to be careful in the right ones. For example, property with commercial property, um, I think resi and land is going to go okay. Mm-hmm. I think industrial is going to go through the roof mm-hmm. because we've certainly seen a change in consumer behaviour with e-commerce picking up. 
Um, office and retail is probably not as clear cut, so you, 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 I'm probably not as excited as holding those assets. It's pretty hard to see how rents can rents can rise. I think it's the second part there. Um, hard to see how they can rise, but also you know it's clearly a state of market flux, and there is no clear answer as to what comes next. There's a lot of supposi supposition, but no one can crystal ball that with confidence and say I know exactly what's going to happen. That's exactly right. So you want to choose your sectors. Mm. Um, in, in property and, and the equity market, as I said, at the moment it's rotating back to that more cyclical exposure, mm -hmm. but at some point uh, that'll that'll change again too. So um, you know you, you you don't want to be all in one camp or the other. You're probably happy to have exposure to both, and I think they'll both do okay at least over the next 12, 18 months, even if there's a little bit of heat coming out of those leaders from last year in the in the short term. Yeah, so uh, like tech stocks, for example. Tech stocks, yeah. tech and, and healthcare. Like, you know, the vaccine's rolling out now. Well, the share prices were higher when the announcements were made, yeah. you know, yeah. six months ago. Yeah, okay, makes perfect sense. Um, on the theme of geopolitics from before, uh, I know looking at your notes that you had Japan written there. I mean, talked about long-term clients. Uh, many of our clients have had exposure to Japan at different times over the last five or six years. Did you want to touch on Japan? Yeah, I, I think Japan's, uh, when you look at Japan as an, as an economy, they have a lot of businesses that are industrial powerhouses. Mm -hmm. And um, they're probably a little bit like Australia, sort of different, we're, we're more materials focused. Yep. But in a, in a cyclical recovery in the global economy, um, we would expect that Japanese industrial machine to do really, really well. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a country that can perform really, really well. And I think I'm right in saying their central bank's sitting on a ridiculous amount of cash at the moment. Am I right in saying that? Um, don't know about a ridiculous amount of cash, but uh, they're, they're buying everything to, mm. uh, to, keep, to keep borrowing costs down, keep markets uh, functioning, mm. as are many of, the, many of the Western central banks. Yeah. But um, I, I think Japan looks, looks pretty good. Yep. Um, in fact, I think Southeast Asia looks like a really good growth engine. So for clients, are a little bit more growthy. Um, you know, we were worried about emerging markets for a while. We're really starting to um, put money back into EM for what we think is this this pickup. Um, it should be a good good performer. Um, in that context, are you including China in that conversation? Do we still classify China as emerging markets, or will we accept the fact that they've emerged well and truly now? First of all, and second of all, when you talk about Southeast Asia, are you including China in that, or, or no? Well, uh, yes, we, we we do include it. Um, Personally, I think China has well and truly emerged. Yeah, uh, MSCI, who builds indexes, they don't. <laughs> so yeah, they're still um, they're still part of it. Uh, so they're still part of emerging um, the emerging markets index. Well, you, you know my opinion on that, and people who've listened to the podcast in the past would probably have a sense of my view on that. I mean, it's the age of China. I mean, regardless of what happens in, in the next couple of years in the States and growth, I mean, we're going to look back, in my opinion, in 2049, 2050 and say, oh, back uh, between 2008 and 2021 was where the, where the changeover happened, but that's just my personal opinion. So. Yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll wait. We'll wait and see at that. I, I won't go on the record with with such a prediction. I, I know our friends in the US will be doing their best to try and um, put a spanner in the uh, spanner in the works. But um, uh, I, I I'm just uh, I'm still bullish that Southeast Asian growth corridor. Without doubt. 
No, I, I, I completely agree. Um, so, so I guess all of those things, and, and you've touched on it a little bit, but I think it's worth sort of um, bringing it back. What does that mean for us domestically? Um, domestically, I think you've actually seen the evidence, right? We've, we've managed to get through COVID relatively well, Melbourne probably being the worst. Mm. So we're in Melbourne, a lot of our clients are, so we probably have a little bit of a, little bit of a bias. But um, relatively, we've gotten through quite well. Um, commodity demand is really picking up because we've got a lot of infrastructure spend globally. Um, so that's looking really, really good. Um, and the domestic economy is recovering very, very well. Um, of course, the borders are closed, and we've been a we've been a you know importer of people and, and education. So that's a short-term negative. But I think once we get things open you're going to see a pickup um, very quickly there and we will still be a very good and desirable place to live. Uh, so I'm pretty optimistic on Australia as well that we'll get, um, we'll get, we'll get dragged up by the global growth pickup. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw this, because I only saw it uh, on the Fin Review website just before we came in here. So I don't know if the numbers were released yesterday or today, but business confidence is, is at highest level for some time. Oh, a absolutely. Now, if you're in the wrong the wrong sector, uh, it's been really, really hard, okay. right? So I'm not trying to um, downgrade that, and some people have done it really, really hard. Um, but gee whiz, as a, as a business, I guess we, we're accounting and as a financial advisor, I've seen some people make some serious money mm. in the last 12, 18 months. Mm. And um, really, really cheap money will do that if you have the right, the right business model. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, that cheap money is also causing more inequality. I was becoming just say that. Yeah. more and more like the US. Mm. Um, that's hard too as, a, as an advisor. So, when I started doing what I did nearly 20 years ago, um, if people came in with a million dollars to retire with, I would tell them I could get them 60 or 70,000 free cash yeah. without taking a whole lot of risk in their portfolio. Mm. Um, now, that number is about 20 or 30. Yeah. And um, that's about less than the age pension. So saving a million dollars for your retirement mm. is getting you no benefit of someone that didn't save a cracker in terms of cash flow. Do you know, we've actually talked about it on the podcast before, but I think the fact that we've raised it again just goes to the point about what a mind shift that has been. Like it, it's, it's even hard for us to still get our heads around that fact. Absolutely, um, but it is rigged asset prices higher, and in my view, they'll continue to go higher. Um, so those who have assets are getting richer, and those who are trying to save to get to that are getting left behind. Yeah. Um, that's that's a result of policy. It's, it's reality, and it's tough. Um, it is now. You know, our client base is probably biased to the people with assets. Mm -hmm. um, but even those with assets, it, you know, getting free cash flow out of the portfolio is is not as easy. So we got to we got to do things a little bit a little bit differently, or or hold more direct assets. Do a lot of things. What they teach you not to do in financial planning school is a lot of that is actually what's working in the in the current world. Yeah, and it's a balancing act. I mean, you don't clearly we're never going to be taking outrageous risks. That's not our job. Um, but secondly, financial 
financial planning school may take a little while to catch up to, to realities, yeah? I mean, financial planning school, when you and I were there 20 years ago, the world has evo- the world of investments has evolved significantly since that period of time, oh, even I, theoretically. I, yeah, well, definitely. I, I, don't, I don't think when I was at school, they would have prepared you for an interest rate environment, which we're in at the moment. Just no. um, wasn't in the textbook. Yeah, exactly right. Um, okay, well, I think we're probably uh, coming towards the end of the podcast. Is there any any point or anything that you really wanted to touch on before we uh, finish up? Um, yeah, just again, the key, key takeouts. Um, you know, the bond part of people's portfolios, we want to have a look at that. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been happy to have some of that as passive exposure, which buys long duration and it's profited as rates got cut. I think that's going to unwind in the next few years and, and you'd really want to be questioned if, if that's a sound strategy moving forward. We're going to have to be more active if we want to hold that defence, give the money to some guys that are going to trade a little bit yep. to try and eke out a 3 or 4% um, return. Um, we will see volatility, right? So, um, and But I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't think people should be scared if they see bouts of volatility and think, oh, this is the crash Mm. we've been waiting for it's not going to crash in a growth environment like we described in the US unless interest rates go through the roof what I think will happen is rates will start rising at that long end so again that's not the central banks raising short term rates it's the bond market doing it Um, the feds will the market will have a little tantrum Um, we'll see 10% drawdowns and that's basically what we've seen last Mm -hmm. week uh, the central bankers will then come in, control that, deal with that. Yep. The market will calm down and realise it's it's the, the trend is still up. Yep. So I'm expecting a melt up in asset prices. The 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 interesting thing I take from all that, and obviously I'm sitting across from you whilst we have this conversation. Uh, markets are having a tantrum, and the central banks coming in like uh, disciplining parents. Well, that that's exactly right. Now. They're not doing it to keep asset prices up. People think, oh, this is all about um, keeping asset prices up. It's, it's, it's actually not. They want to see more people back in jobs. Mm. The best way to do that is get the businesses making more money so they hire more people. Exactly, right? right? means there's more money to spend in the market. And- Correct, so the business owners making money out of it is, that's, that's a consequence, but it's not their primary objective. Mm. Primary objective is to get the middle class man back into work. Yeah. Um, and sometimes people don't get that. They think it's all rigged for the rich guy. It's it's not that simple. Mm. It's not why they do it. Yeah. All right, fantastic. Uh, thanks, James. I think that's that's really great. I mean, as I said, all of our advisors attend the Portfolio Construction Conference, one, to um, you know, inform our investment committee decisions and the impact on portfolios and portfolio construction. Um, it's also important for all of our advisors when they're talking to clients to get that real depth of conversation there and to explain how we make these decisions. So, um, as we said, the next one I'd imagine will be in sort of August, September. Um, that's the next time we'll be uh, attending the Portfolio Construction Conference. But um, I think we can probably leave that there. Thanks for uh, all your insight today. Pleasure. Good to, uh, good to chat to you again and, and, and speak to all the clients. Thanks, everyone. And uh, as always, any questions, any concerns, anything from the podcast you wish to, wish to discuss, please just drop a note to uh, your advisor and uh, we will talk with you from there. Thank you. Thank you very much. The information in this podcast is intended to be general in nature and does not take into account your personal situation. Therefore, it does not constitute and is not intended to be financial services advice. 
you should consider whether the information is appropriate to your needs and where appropriate, seek professional personal advice from your financial advisor.